KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thanks for joining us. We are officially in the season of Lent now. Started a few days ago on Ash Wednesday, so happy Lent to you. Can I say happy Lent <laughs> as we march towards Easter? And I hope you haven't broken any of your Lenten, uh, you know, uh, promises uh, yet. But uh, welcome to this program. This is where we find the intersection between our beloved Catholic faith and also the local North Texas area. And I am just delighted at uh, what we're doing for this interview because I have five seminarians in studio with me. Diane Xavier is uh, the other side of the glass running the board. And uh, very grateful to Sylvia Nahira, the Director of Advancement for Holy Trinity Seminary, uh, for lining this up. And uh, we're very grateful. You can find out more about Holy Trinity Seminary by just going to holytrinityseminary.org. And she had suggested, since we're in the season of Lent, to talk about some of the special things that the seminarians are doing during the season of Lent. Uh, kicked off on Ash Wednesday. You missed that one, well, perhaps, but uh, there's a lot. Of course, it's a long season, so there's a lot more going on. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and then uh, we'll be talking about uh, Lenten reflections, videos that they're putting out, written reflections, and also a special living stations of the cross that will be presented, thanks be to God, for the first time live at the seminary since um, 2019, and this is going to be on Palm Sunday, April 10th. And so those are the things we'll be talking about, and maybe a little bit about how life is in the seminary now that a lot of the COVID restrictions are starting to ease off, thanks be to God. So, all right, there's five of them. I'm just going to let them introduce themselves. They'll tell you their name, their diocese, their archdiocese, and uh, what year they are in studio. Well, so we'll start with John Paul. Hi, my name is John Paul Elwanger. I'm from the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, and I'm a freshman studying at Holy Trinity. My name is Kyle Fletcher. Um, I'm a seminarian from the Diocese of Dallas, and this is my final year at HTS. I'm a senior. I'm Jake Nadeau. I'm a sophomore from the Diocese of Charleston. Hi, I'm Cameron Kolajinsak, a senior studying for the Diocese of Austin. Hi, my name is Mark Williard. I am from the Diocese of Dallas, and I'm a pre-theologian one at Holy Trinity Seminary. All right, very good. Uh, you guys did really well, you know, just like in rehearsal. You know, we did a dress <laughs> rehearsal for that. That was, that was perfect. They also, and you probably already know this, they cut spots to uh, promote some of the Lenten things that are going on. So you'll hear a lot of that uh, over these coming weeks uh, of Lent. Let, let, me, uh, let me just start off with an introductory question, and just any of you can you know, jump in if you feel inspired to, uh, to say it before we get into what's going on with Lent, is just kind of life at seminary itself. I mentioned how uh, these last couple of years must be very challenging for seminarians where you want to bond, you want to be together, and there might have been separation and face masks. And, you know, I, I don't know what life was exactly like, but how have things changed? Is it kind of back to normal or uh, what's kind of the, the day in the life of the seminarian these days? Uh, okay, so this is Cameron. Yeah, so actually things have gone um, basically back to normal for us. Um, we're having public events again, so public masses on Sundays as well as we're going back to in-person classes at the university and we're going out into the community to do our pastoral assignments again as well. Um, last year at the seminary, we basically were living like in a monastery. Yeah. So we really weren't leaving much, but that made things pretty normal around the house for us. Um, but it's great to be able to go back and do ministry again in the community like we're used to in the past. 
Yeah, and I guess, uh, yeah, I hope this doesn't happen, but if uh, you are... When and if you are ordained and another pandemic hits, you'll be a little more prepared <laughs> to, uh, to deal with with your parish. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, these things. Uh, you kicked off Lenten Reflections this last Wednesday on Ash Wednesday. Uh, Mark, let me start with you as far as just the Lenten Reflections. I know there's a lot of different types of them, but what was the the inspiration or kind of the genesis of this and what you guys are doing? Can you kind of give us an introduction to it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, actually it sort of started because of covid last year we you know wanted to get more interaction with um, our supporters and our our followers on social media and so we started doing daily written reflections and then weekly video reflections on sundays and then on ash wednesday um just as another way to interact with people and it got a lot of really good feedback and we just saw it as a really good thing so even though as cameron said things are opening up more this year we wanted to keep it going because it it just ended up being good to hear from seminarians and how we're doing with Lent. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Paul, what, what kind of reflections are these? Are these uh, just something that each of you individually feels inspired to do? Is there a certain format that probably has something to do with Lent? Or, or what kind of m- m- material, I guess, uh, will, will these cover? Yeah, so uh, the material that we use are the readings for the, for the day. Um, so uh, based on the seminarian, um, whatever they're inspired to, to talk about um, somewhat related to those readings, um, and that's kind of what we go off of there. Um, there's not too much that goes into it. It's just a it's it's something that's pretty personal. Um, so whatever they're inspired to do and motivated to to talk about. Mm-hmm. And people can find these on the Holy Trinity website, or uh, I guess we can actually about, uh, talk about how they get rolled out. Uh, Jake, let me bring you into the conversation. Uh, how do you determine, is it just based on kind of your skill set, whether you're going to be writing, being in the videos, uh, you got people doing the editing, or, uh, you know, what? what uh, how, are, how are you de- kind of distributing who, who, who's responsible for what? Right, so for the uh, daily written reflections, uh, so we have over 40 of those going all the way until uh, Divine Mercy Sunday. Uh, so every seminary in the house is actually doing at least one. Uh, so those are just kind of brief that uh, everyone has to do. Uh, and then the video reflections, we kind of just took volunteers for uh, who would be willing to do it uh, and then um, put it together. And uh, me, John Paul, and Mark all did a video reflection. Uh, so I think we have in total about six or seven of those. Mm-hmm. And what, what's the content of the videos? Are they entertaining? Are they straightforward? Is it just you, know, you in front of a camera? Are you, you know, what exactly uh, are, are, is the, the material for the videos? Yeah, so the the videos are just a little bit more of a stretched out of the written reflections. They're um, kind of what John Paul was saying. It's, you know, you look at the readings, you look at what jumps out to you, what personally might be on your heart to speak to about that particular Sunday or, or day in Lent. Um, and they're a little bit longer, so they're about five minutes each. Um, and it's just almost like a mini homily, I guess, getting us prepared for some of those. But um, just another good way to get some some FaceTime with people outside mm-hmm. the seminary. Mm-hmm. How many seminarians, uh, any of y'all know this off the top of your head, do you know how many dioceses, archdioceses and seminarians are there right now? Is it, uh, you know, pretty packed over there? Or uh, what, what are the numbers like now? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. This yeah, is uh, so, Jake. Yes, yeah, so there are 43 seminarians in the house right now from eight different dioceses. Uh, so most of the seminarians are from Texas, either uh, Diocese of Dallas, Diocese of Austin, or Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. Uh, and then the other five dioceses all have kind of between uh, one to four, actually, so pretty small. Uh, so, so like Diocese of Charleston for me, uh, there's just three of us, 
And then there's Diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana, Diocese of El Paso, we've got one guy. And then Diocese of Jefferson City has four, and Diocese of Nashville has two. So we're a little bit spread out, uh, kind of all over. All right. So somebody listening right now, jump off. They want, you know, we were a few days into to Lent now. And if somebody wants to go in, because you said pretty much all the seminarians are doing these, mm-hmm. how does it look or what does somebody do when they go to Holy, Tr- Holy, Holy Trinity Seminary.org? Uh, can they click on any seminarian and say, let's what, see what his reflection is, or there's just a few of them that are posted, or, or what, what should people do on the site? Yeah, so it's actually easier to access these on the Facebook page. Okay. Um, so these are where, the Facebook page is where everything's going to be posted. Um, so every day uh, a post will be, uh, a reflection will be posted. And so that would be the easiest way to access those. So facebook.com slash, slash HD. Seminary. Uh, that's our page, and you can scroll through the, the posts there and kind of if if you're missing some, you can scroll back and, and look at past reflections or just the present ones of that current day. So. Mm-hmm. Are there any other uh, social media platforms, uh, Mark, that these will be on? You know, I'm thinking about like kids these days, a lot of them will be like, oh, don't go on Facebook. I'm on Instagram or, you know, TikTok or Snapchat or what have. Uh, is, is it exclusively on Facebook or any, or any other places? No, so they'll be on Instagram and YouTube as well under uh, Holy Trinity Seminary. And one other option for people who uh, don't do social media, um, if you go to our website, at the bottom you can opt in to our email list and They'll be emailed daily to people if you um, select that option. Okay. And, uh, again, you can go to the, the Facebook, uh, uh, look, uh, search Holy Trinity Seminary on Facebook. I guess that's what you do. And you can find these, these videos and also the reflections uh, as well. Uh, just go to HolyTrinitySeminary.org, and I'm sure all this is explained very well. Let's, uh, let's talk about the living stations of the cross. And this is something that uh, I know a lot of people have probably really lamented last year. Uh, hasn't been uh, live at the Holy, Holy Trinity Seminary since 2019. It's coming back, Palm Sunday, April 10th. And uh, Cameron, this is kind of a long-standing tradition that the seminary has been doing for, I- I'm guessing, for decades now, right? Um, it has been. Um, I don't fully know the history of it, um, but it, um, from my understanding, it's been going on for a very long time, and it's always packed in the chapel. Um, yeah. It's a beautiful evening being able to reflect on the Stations of the Cross, but do it in a way not through just an image, but actually real living people acting out the different roles. Okay. Kyle, is, uh, how, how, do you have like audition for this? or <laughs> how, how is all the seminarians involved? Or, or what's, 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 tell us about that. So we've been trying to get as many people involved as possible. Um, it's really been um, the Holy Spirit um, yeah. helping us figure out the right people um, to get involved. And actually, Mark um, is playing Jesus for us. Oh, uh, okay. And he's got the beard. You know, he's getting prepared <laughs> for that. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, so well, let, let's uh, let, bring Jesus in. So uh, <laughs> is, that, is that kind of an intimidating uh, kind of thing to be uh, pl- playing uh, you know our Lord uh, and uh, for these stations, yeah. There's a, there's definitely a little bit of pressure there. Um, what ultimately um, kind of made me decide to accept the opportunity to do it, um, other than the Holy Spirit saying that it was a really good idea, was um, just kind of thinking of what a powerful spiritual experience that would be to just really, literally place yourself in Jesus's shoes yeah. during the Passion and just kind of 
what meditation that would be um, just for that experience. You're going to call Jim Caviezel and say, hey, how, <laughs> what do I do, man? <laughs> and uh, so, Cameron, is, is this... Uh, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of like the the, the, the living stations across. They're being acted out. Um, is, is this? Um, um, you know, I guess I'm, I'm just trying to picture of how, how this all, all, all goes. Can you kind of kind of paint a picture of what this will be when if people come on Palm Sunday? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, so what happens with each one of the 14 stations? There is a basically a still shot of the station. Um, and then there's a guided meditation um, through one of the stations of the cross um, that our rector, Father James Swift, has chosen. And there's also a lot of music involved as well. Um, so we'll have a lot of guys from the seminary scholar. Um, so you get to hear a bunch of the beautiful men's voices as well, um, as well from the house. Okay. So uh, other than Jesus, obviously the stations have a lot of different characters. And how many different, I guess for lack of a better word, actors are involved in this? So uh, in total, they're probably about eight guys from the seminary. We okay. have a few soldiers, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, Simon of Cyrene, uh, John the Beloved Disciple. Um, Any females? You have Mary and Veronica? Yes. And that, that um, so this is one of the um, awesome uh, parts of being part of the University of Dallas community as well is um, working with some women at the University of Dallas, five to be specific, to play the roles from the Blessed Virgin Mary, Veronica, and the women of Jerusalem. Okay, all right. So this is still a ways off. I mean, Palm Sunday is you know many many weeks from now. But uh, you mentioned that it gets really crowded. This is I, I, I'm trusting a, a free event. People uh, just. Show up, and I'm guessing since you haven't done it in a couple of years, you may want to get there early, right? Uh, to, to get a seat. How many people does the the the, the church hold? It's it, it's how, how do you know how big it is? Um, I would say we um, we at least have room for 250 people, um, okay. and we can always pull more chairs out. We have plenty of those lying around. Yeah. What about Easter Sunday? I know that's that wasn't on my talking points here, but is there a, a, a big public uh, mass, or can, can folks come out and celebrate Easter with you? So actually, this is one of the, um, since we're all around the United States, um, we, uh, the seminarians go home for Holy Week, um, yeah. starting on Wednesday, and they get to serve in their parishes, um, uh, helping out at Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil, and Easter itself. So we actually are not at the seminary at yeah. that time. Yeah. All right. Well, um, if you're just tuning in, we're talking to five of our Holy Trinity seminarians uh, representing diocese uh, from Charleston, South Carolina, Galveston, Houston, Dallas, and also Austin as well. And they're um, uh, here to talk about uh, what's going on at the seminary during Lent with the Lenten Reflections, which began on Ash Wednesday. It'll be going all the way through Lent. Uh, video Reflections found on various uh, platforms, uh, like uh, I think you said Instagram and, uh, and Facebook. And also the Living Station of the Cross is going to be presented uh, on Palm Sunday. And Written Reflections posted every day during Lent as well. HolyTrinitySeminary.org uh, is the, the, the website. You know, we have a few minutes remaining, and I, I, I just can't can't help but you know just maybe as voluntarily if any of you want to just very briefly tell us a little bit uh, about your call uh, i'm wondering john paul you're, you're you're the young guy here you're 19 years old freshman right so you're first time just you've, you've been in seminary less than a year right now huh yeah. uh what what's can you tell us a little bit about just me very briefly your story or how god called you towards this um, you know entering seminary yeah so growing up i uh i Grew up in a very distracted, 
uh, lifestyle. Uh, I played a lot of sports, um, not really focused on anything spiritually growing up. Um, and it wasn't until high school where I started to get involved in more uh, spiritual things and getting involved with the church more um, and kind of diving into that faith. Um, and uh, it really took off um, when when COVID hit, actually, which is kind of shocking for some to hear just because a lot of other people's COVID situations were different than mine. Yeah. Uh, but it, uh, for me, COVID was a blessing because um, it, it shut out all of these like outside, shut down all of these extracurricular activities that I was involved in. Um, and it really helped me focus on uh, my roots and my faith. Mm. Um, and I chose to use all the extra free time that I had uh, to grow my spiritual life. Um, so prayer and, and reading scripture and so on. Um, and that really, in that time, I also prayed about my vocation because I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life um, for the most part. And so I prayed, like, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And after every time I would pray that, all I could think about was the priesthood. Mm. Um, and I wasn't quite sure at first, um, and I didn't really think that could be me in the future. Yeah. Um, so I kind of put it in the back of my mind um, and continued to pray about it. Um, but through spiritual direction um, and more prayer throughout the next year, my senior year, um, I knew this is where... Uh, God was calling me at this moment, um, so I decided to to fill out the application, and here I am. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing story. You know, God works in mysterious ways, doesn't He? Just a few minutes remaining. I, I just, if any of y'all want to to jump in, just the the value of friendship. You know, the the value of uh, of of you know, having you know male friends at seminary and just the bonds. You know, uh, any anybody want to touch on that? Uh, just uh, the the community aspect of seminary life, or uh, don't be bashful. Uh, <laughs> Mark, you, you want to you comment on the, you know, just to, to being able to do stuff with your, your fellow seminarians and the bonds that you guys uh, develop in seminary. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you, you won't meet a, a greater group of guys to, to grow with and to push you. Um, that was being a little bit older coming into seminary. I wasn't really sure how that was going to go, that transition of you know, working with some younger, younger guys and living, you know, in such close proximity, but it's been one of the biggest blessings of seminary so far is just being in a community like that. And you get to see God's hand working in so many different ways and how he's able to call so many different kinds of people and just bring them together for a common purpose. And that even if there's disagreements at times, you obviously agree on the most important things and you, you share this very powerful goal together, and it, it's such a uniting aspect of, of that community life. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful that all of you came in. I, it's, it's, it's difficult to have all five of you here and have 25 minutes to, for the whole thing, and I wish I could just sit down and, and interview each of you for an hour, but uh, I thank you, and we, you know, we're limited uh, as far as our time goes. But I, I, and forgive me if I mispronounce any names here, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, Jake Nadu. Uh, from Charleston, South Carolina, uh, John Paul Elwanger, uh, who you just heard from, from Galva, Galveston, Houston, a freshman, Kyle Fletcher, uh, senior from Dallas. I think I know your parents, don't I? Yes, you do. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I, I was going to say you look like you look like your mom and dad. I can I can definitely see it in your face. And uh, all right, I'm going to give it a shot here, Cameron. Cameron Kolojinsek. Did I get that right? close enough? Okay, uh, senior from Austin, and then Mark Williard, uh, pre theologian one. Uh, from the Dallas Diocese. Well, uh, uh, thanks so much for coming in. Again, thanks to Sylvia Nehera, 
uh, director of advancement, Father Swift, and all the the professors and everybody who's helping to to form uh, uh, our, our future priests over there at Holy Trinity Seminary. Uh, don't forget Lenten reflections. Uh, are in a written and video form are uh, available throughout Lent. And you can go to Holy, holytrinityseminary.org, also Facebook and some of these other platforms and find them. And uh, you also uh, certainly want to uh, circle the calendar for Palm Sunday, April 10th, uh, for the Living Stations of the Cross. Did we say what time that starts? Uh, what time is it, Cameron? at 7.30 p.m. in the evening. Okay, 7.30 p.m. All right. Uh, thanks again to each of you for coming in. Great to, to meet you or see you again in some cases. Thanks to Diane Xavier for uh, running the board. And again, thanks to Sylvia for recommending this uh, this interview. Uh, this has been the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Uh, have a great rest of your weekend and Lent. And thank you for listening. God bless you. Hi, this is Dave Palmer. I hope that you're enjoying the wonderful, unique Catholic programming here on KTH 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. If so, I ask you to please prayerfully consider supporting the GRN by calling in with a pledge of financial support during our upcoming Spring Sherathon, which will be Tuesday, March 22nd through Friday, March 25th with a theme of Made for Mission. And if you're interested in offering a matching gift for the Sherathon, please contact me, Dave Palmer, at grnonline.com. Have you ever heard of Esther Fernandez, a realtor with JP and Associates and a sponsor here on KATH 910 AM? She's a parishioner at Holy Spirit Parish in Duncanville and a supporter with GRN. Interest rates are currently low and there are first-time buyer programs available for teachers, nurses, police, and firefighters. You can reach Esther by calling 214-845-1753 or by email at estherfernandez at gmail.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-Z Fernandez at gmail.com. Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hope your Lent is off to a great start here on this Saturday, March 5th. And thanks for tuning in to this Interview of the Week where we like to introduce you to people and news and topics that you may not otherwise know about. We always keep it Catholic and local. And it's uh, just been such a joy to meet so many people uh, through the course of doing these interviews. And uh, in these next 20, 25 minutes... I am going to introduce you to the new pastor of St. Basil the Great Byzantine Catholic Church. I really got to know Father Christopher Andrews, the uh, previous pastor. He was, he became a good friend and he's been sent out to California and his successor is Father Elias Rafai who is joining me in studio, and I had a while trying to get uh, the pronunciation of your last name. I hope I got that right. So, you sure did, Dave. Okay, Father Elias, that's a lot easier for me. So uh, thanks for being here. Great, great to meet you. Thanks for coming on the air. Pleasure to be here. All right, so I, so much I want to talk to you about. Uh, the, one of the main things we want to talk about is that Father is offering an iconography workshop at St. Basil the Great Byzantine Catholic Church coming up very soon. It's going to be uh, Monday through Saturday, March 14th through 19th, uh, 9.30 to 5.30 each day, and you can learn how to write, or I guess some people may say paint, uh, icons. And if this is something that's interest, that interests you, you want to 
act quickly because uh, he says he can only have about 20 students, and I think about 17 or 18 are already signed up. So only a couple slots uh, left right now, but we'll tell you how you can sign up for those. And the deadline's tomorrow, so <laughs> that's that's uh, it's important to, to sign up very quickly. But can you tell us a little bit about your background? Grew up in Chicago, uh, Hungarian ethnicity, and uh, what else should we know about you? Well, I, I grew up in Chicago. Uh, my parents are both immigrants. My uh, father is from Czechoslovakia, and my mother from Argentina. Oh, wow. And I grew up in kind of an Eastern European enclave uh, around Ukrainians and Czechoslovakians. And um, in that setting, of course, I was exposed to iconography. And I started painting uh, icons in my home parish, St. Nicholas Ukrainian Catholic Church, uh, which is the cathedral for the Ukrainian eparchy. Wow. We could do a whole interview about the Ukrainian Catholic Church and under the circumstances right now, but that would be another time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a hot topic right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. And so you've always um, worshipped in the Eastern liturgy. Would that be would that be well, right? I grew up in both churches. Okay. Because uh, my father was an organist in a Polish Roman Catholic parish, and so uh, and I went to Catholic school, so exposed to. Both uh, both traditions. Mm-hmm. And when did the call to you know seminary religious life? When did that come? And how how did God make it clear to you that that was uh, His will? Well, it, I think it was something that was always uh, in the back of my mind. I knew many priests because the uh, priests that my father was friends with, and the ones that he worked with, so they came over to visit very often. So so I never saw priests as being somehow unapproachable or on a pedestal, mm-hmm. but rather quite normal. Yeah. And uh, and that familiarity really made an impression on me, too. And the the Byzantine Catholic Church, I think most of the people listening right now probably don't have a lot of familiarity with it. Uh, beautiful, you know, church in Irving where you are the pastor. What What is the kind of ecclesiastical organization of the Byzantine Church in America look like? Well, um, our Byzantine Catholic Church, there are a number of churches that use the Byzantine liturgical tradition, uh, ours being one of them. And uh, the Ukrainian Catholic Church is also Byzantine. The Melkite uh, Greek Catholic Church is also Byzantine. And our church is also referred to as the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church. Ruthenians were the uh, Byzantine Christians of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, uh, and um, came into union in 1646. All right, and where where is the, the your, what diocese are you in, and where is it located? Well, uh, here in the United States, so we have uh, four eparchies. Okay, uh, the arch eparchy or archdiocese is Pittsburgh, and Texas is under Pittsburgh, and then we have Passaic, which essentially Passaic, New Jersey, which is essentially New York. And, uh, and takes the whole eastern seaboard all the way down to Georgia. And, uh, and then we have the eparchy of Parma, which is suburban Cleveland, and the eparchy of Phoenix, mm. which is the west coast. Yeah, and you spent 15 years uh, in Houston. Um, I sure was did. that pastoring a parish similar to St. Basil's? Yes, St. John Chrysostom Byzantine Catholic Church in Houston. Okay. What's different about the liturgy of the Byzantine Mass as opposed to what maybe people are used to in the Roman liturgy? 
everything. <laughs> so okay. that's a separate show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so there are there are you, people would not be entirely lost. You're still going to have the consecration and the. Well, you'll pick out that there's yeah. liturgy of the word and liturgy yeah. of the Eucharist. We do celebrate in here in Irving um, almost exclusively in English. Yeah. Uh, it usually the languages used are reflective of the community, and so we don't really have an immigrant uh, community. Yeah. So everybody is most comfortable with English. Mm -hmm. uh, everything is sung. There is no use of musical instruments. Oh. Uh, the setup of the church is reflective of the temple in Jerusalem, and of course our liturgical tradition comes from the city of Constantinople, and uh, hence Byzantine. And our, like, primary historical language would be Greek. Mm, okay. Very interesting. And how did you become interested in iconography and you know, to the point now where you're actually uh, instructing others on how to do it? How, where did that come about from? Well, in, uh, in my uh, home parish of St. Nicholas uh, Cathedral in Chicago, so we had a major project of... Uh, um, installation of new iconography, and a part of that uh, program was the education and outreach to the parishioners. And so um, our youth group in the parish, I was at that time a, a teenager, so our youth group was exposed to iconography through both the project and then one of our priests, Father Leonard Korczynski, who uh, himself was also an iconographer, and he taught those of us in the youth group who wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. And so that's how, how I first started. Yeah. What, what makes an icon unique as opposed to another art form? I, I think most of us have an image in our mind of an icon, and there's often kind of narrow features, and there's just something different about them. What, what makes an icon different? Well, icons are not meant to be realistic. They're two-dimensional images, and they're based on the earliest expression of Christian art. Uh, so the art that we find in catacombs as well as in the first churches um, is an iconography of um, kind of the beginnings of iconography. Yeah. The reasons that, that the images are two-dimensional is primarily so that one would not be led to idolatry. Yeah. And so, uh, for example, in the early church, it's very difficult to find statues mm -hmm. because the pagan Romans and Greeks worshipped statues. Yeah. And so the painted image, the two-dimensional icon would not look realistic. However, it would contain within it the teachings of the church expressed in gestures and colors, writing, and all the details. So icons are very uh, disciplined. Uh, they follow canons and rules that can't be broken. An artist can't just come in and do something and call it an icon. It has to be consistent with what has been approved by the church. Yeah, there are some rules then. There are a lot of rules. And yes. are icons always portraits of people? Can you can you do an icon of a you know a forest or a a bird? Only uh, if it's like background. Yeah, the, but it always I guess has the Holy to, Spirit would work. For yeah, the bird, right. You but. got the bird there. Yeah, so it has to be whole something holy. It's a it's a yeah. religious image. Yes, yeah. it's very okay. specifically connected to the church. It's something that now there there are artists who have taken icons and painted things in in an iconographic or Byzantine style, 
but usually that is done at detriment to yeah. the church. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a way of dissing the church, and yeah. that's a little different. Yeah, you've been a priest for 22 years. How long have you been teaching iconography? Um, I've been teaching iconography about 18 years. Oh, wow. On and, and off. I mean, it's always around parish commitments and obligations. Yeah, I... I did. What was I said? Uh, March fourteenth through nineteenth are the classes. Nine thirty to five thirty each day. Uh, that's uh, what six days. That, that's a, that's a lot of time. What what would how will this time be spent uh, for somebody who does sign up for this week of iconography? Well, I try to make sure that the block of time is as ample as possible, so that someone who is working or has limited time that they can still come in and complete an icon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll depend on what uh, what one chooses to paint. There are three top uh, subjects that are available. And then um, there is, we follow the process step by step. And, uh, and then there is into it, we also weave time for discussion and teaching and learning about what we're actually working on and what it means. And you're also going to be explaining the theology of the uh, the icons. Uh, can you give a little hint of what that is? I'm sure it's going to go much much more detail when you know people sign up for the class. But uh, yeah, you, you've you've already mentioned it a little bit. But what what else uh, should people know about the theology of the icons? Well, the theology of the icons is is primarily based on having the capability to read the language of the icons. So mm-hmm. understanding what the colors mean why certain details are presented in, in a specific way, uh, why we have to use uh, gold in the halo, and why we have to uh, write certain things as far as labeling the icon. And so and it, it, it kind of goes organically because mm-hmm. this, the students usually have their own questions, and so it's not as scripted as one would think. Yeah. So if you and I walked up to an icon and I looked at it from a total you know, no experience at all, and you look at it, you would see things that I wouldn't because yes. you're you're reading it because you're a trained iconographer, right? It's almost like, you know, we have this image of Our Lady Guadalupe in the hallway here, and people have spent lifetimes analyzing it. Of course, this is a you know, divine origin, uh, but th- would that be a good comparison as far as the things that are inside in the, on the image of Our Lady Guadalupe that one has to kind of learn and study and, uh, you know, know. It, it is especially with uh, talking about the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So there are things that, for example, only uh, a native person would be able to yeah. understand right away. And that's similar because uh, icons have their own language, which is a reflection of Mediterranean uh, traditions from the time of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the way even the way Jesus is dressed or Mary are dressed, it's not Jewish garb because it's not a it's not meant to be a Kodak moment. It's yeah. not recording a, a historical image, but rather it's presenting the image through the lens of Christianity in the Roman Empire. My guest is Father Elias Rafai. He is the new pastor as of about six months ago uh, from uh, St. Basil the Great Byzantine Catholic Church, 1118 East to Union Bower Road in Irving, which is not very far from the studio here. He is uh, inviting uh, a couple people. The class is almost filled up to enroll in an iconography workshop at the parish, uh, just right around the corner, March 14th through the 19th, 9.30 to 5.30 each day, or as much of that time as you can you can be there. 
uh, and it's going to involve theology and, of course, walking away with your own icon that, that you will have dri- uh, uh, written or drawn. How much experience, if any, does somebody need to know to, to sign up for a class like this? Um, you don't really need any experience. As long as you're able to follow directions, it should work pretty well. <laughs> and I see here that you can choose one of several. You can't just say, oh, I want to do you know, St. Francis of Assisi. You, yeah, you have like four options. thematically all interconnected yeah. with one of the icons being easier. And the other two being not so easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is uh, Christ carrying the cross or Veronica's veil or Christ the bridegroom. So those are the three options. Those are three options. Just whichever one you want to do. And uh, talk about the cost. And is there any kind of age requirement? Could a, uh, you know, a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old sign up for this or uh, what, what? any other re- restrictions or requirements? Well, with with kids, so we ask that they be accompanied by a parent or a responsible adult. Um, the cost is $200, and that's all materials are provided. And there are scholarships available? Yes, there are. Okay, so if somebody is like, I want to do it, but don't I have any money? Exactly. Okay. Try so to make it as available as possible. Right, very good. Uh, so... Uh, what the person that draws this will be able to take it home with them, mm-hmm. or you know, and then uh, yeah, that that's quite a conversation piece uh, uh, as well. Do you have uh, favorite icons yourself, or are there some? Is there like a, a Mona Lisa of the iconography world, or what? What are the <laughs> the real famous ones that maybe you could uh, you could speak of? Well, probably the most famous one is the Trinity that was painted by Rublev, which is a close up of the. Um, image of the hospitality of Abraham. It's the three angels that come to um, to visit Abraham and Sarah. That's probably the most famous icon. And then, you know, considering now what's going on in Ukraine, um, the Virgin of Vladimir, which is considered the national protectress of, uh, of Russia and Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So she has a history with both of the countries. And so and is a masterpiece of Byzantine Constantinopolitan iconography from the 12th century. So, yeah, with your connection to the Ukrainian Church and you have your obvious, uh, I'm, I'm sure you have a, a great uh, love for the, the people of Ukraine. Are, are you doing anything in particular at the parish as far as you know prayer or any, anything under the circumstances of what's going on in that part of the world? Yeah, well, in in our regular services since uh, you know we're, we started Lent or the Great Fast on Monday, so as part of the regular services, we're praying for the people of Ukraine and for our mother church, which mm-hmm. is located in western Ukraine, and uh, and so that's that that is something that we're basically watching the situation as it as it escalates, hoping and praying for the the best outcome. Yes. And um, parish life itself, if, if somebody uh, who has, you know, their, their entire experience has been the Nova Sordo or the Roman Rite, and they, they come in, you mentioned earlier that it's very different. There's a lot. Do you recommend somebody just kind of coming in and checking out a Mass or oh, yeah. a Divine we, Liturgy sometime? Is that okay? Yeah, we have a lot of visitors, and uh, we have books, and people will help you out so that you know where you're at. Um, although we don't have any pews, 
uh, there are chairs along the walls for mm. people to to sit. It's a little bit of a different dynamic, uh, liturgically speaking. Yeah, lots of icons inside the uh, uh, the, the floor to <laughs> Any of your your own? Are they? Are there um, any? No, I haven't been here long enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very interesting. Well, uh, we're just about out of time again. Father Elias uh, Rafai is the uh, new pastor of the uh, Saint Basil the Great Byzantine Catholic Church in Irving. And uh, that church has been around a while. It is a regular parish of the diocese of, I mean, it's, it's physically in the diocese of Dallas, but it's not a parish in the diocese of Dallas. Is that, is, would that be right? That is correct. We're, right. we're okay. part of the Archeparchy of Pittsburgh. And how does that, uh, like, uh, as far as like uh, somebody like Bishop Burns, where you're physically in his diocese, uh, does does he have a jurisdiction over the parish, or no, is that that's okay? No, he has no jurisdiction over our parish. The same for the Ukrainian Catholic parish, the Maronite Catholic parish. All these communities, uh, we're all under our own bishops. Yeah, very nice. Well, let's just give the the basic details again. If somebody wants to sign up, you said it was two hundred dollars uh, for adults, a hundred dollars for children and students. Uh, this includes the icon board and all painting materials, brushes, etc. Uh, what should they do if they're interested and they want to sign up, I guess, by tomorrow, because that's a deadline? Uh, well, they can contact me directly uh, by email uh, at uh, EliasDFW uh, at gmail.com. And that's E-L-I-A-S-D-F-W at gmail.com, E-L-I-A-S-D-F-W at gmail.com. Uh, well, very interesting. Uh, you, you mentioned Lent beginning on Monday. We're, uh, of course, recording this on a Tuesday. The Lent season is different in the Eastern Church, isn't it? You begin uh, earlier than the Roman? Oh, we have just a different way of counting the days. Oh, okay. And for us, Holy Week is not a part of Lent. It's its own separate season. I got you. Whereas we will end on Thursday, you'll end on, uh, like, what, Monday or, or so? On, on the Saturday before, the day before Palm Sunday. Yeah. Uh, any difference in uh, fasting or... Uh, yeah, it's, it's more, it's a little bit more austere in the Eastern Church, isn't it? Yes, yeah. We have more emphasis on fasting from, uh, all animal products. Yeah. Including dairy, eggs. Okay. Excluding, so. like, total, like, cold Vegan. turkey done? Okay, yeah, nothing during the, the 40 days, huh? That's, well, that's for, not everybody follows that. Yeah. There is a basic fast, and then each family will amp it up according to their own needs and requirements. Okay. Well, thank you for visiting. It's great to, to get to know you and meet you. And, uh, again, if you'd like to learn more about the uh, iconography workshop at St. Basil the Great Byzantine Catholic Church, Beginning March 14th through the 19th, 9.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., or as much of that as you can do each day, Monday through Saturday, uh, you can email Father Elias at EliasDFW at gmail.com, E-L-I-A-S-D-F-W at gmail.com. And I'm hoping several there, people will respond. And there, there will be a summer workshop, too, so if okay. you're interested in that, you can contact me to get on our okay. email list. Go ahead and email you now yeah. and yeah. just say, hey, I'm interested. I can't do the one this month, but yep. you can sign me up for the summer. All right. Well, great. Well, thank you very much. Great to meet thank you. you. Thanks Dave. again for your visit. And uh, thanks, Diane Xavier, for running the board for this interview. This has been the interview of the week here on uh, KTH 910 AM of the Guadalupe Radio Network. And uh, I want to thank Patty Youngblood. Youngblood uh, did I get her name right? Yeah, Youngblood, uh, for recommending this. She was the one that initially had uh, emailed me, and she's one of your students, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And From she said, hey, you got to <laughs> interview Father Elias. And so I really appreciate Patty 
and uh, her connecting us. I, and I, I, I started to say, if, if anybody knows of any other ideas for this program, I love to get suggestions. And so if you want to be like Patty and just email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com and say, hey, you should invite, in, you know, inter- interview this guy or this, this lady. I, I'd love the idea. If it's local and Catholic, I'm interested. Uh, all right. Thanks so much for, for listening. And I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. Hi, this is Norma Duane with My Mutual Mortgage, a sponsor of KATH 910 AM. My husband Bob and I have been longtime supporters of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are praying for our country and all that are affected by the coronavirus. The drastic fluctuations in the market have caused mortgage rates to drop to record lows. If you'd like an analysis of your current mortgage rate, payment, or term, we can be reached at 817-527-3166. That's 817-527-3166. My Mutual Mortgage is an equal housing lender in MLS 12901. Mary's Mantle, an outreach and retreat for mothers who suffered miscarriage, stillbirth, or infant loss, is hosting their next retreat on Saturday, March 26th at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Richardson. The event takes place from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Please join us for a Remembrance Mass, followed by a half-day retreat with a talk from Annie Mueller from Mighty Is Her Call and Prayer Reflection. This event is free. For more information and to register, visit Mary's Mantle at stjosephcc.net. This is Tony Beshara. My wife, Chris, and I own Babich and Associates. We are the oldest placement and recruitment firm in the state of Texas and proud sponsors of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We're also members of St. Thomas Aquinas in Dallas. Babich and Associates offers candidates insights into the current job market and provides professional candidates we have interviewed on a face-to-face basis to our employers. Our number to call is 214-823-9999, or you can find us on the web at Babich, B-A-B-I-C-H, dot com. Keeping you informed and inspired. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. News and information, Catholic conversation, inspiration, fun, and prizes are involved. Log on to our website to get all the details, to find all the information, the podcast, the videos, and so much more. GRNonline.com. That's GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. This is Julie Carrick, host of We Sing Our Faith on the Guadalupe Radio Network, sharing with you a song today from Sarah Kroger. It's a traditional hymn of our church, The King of Love My Shepherd Is, with a little bit added in from Sarah herself. And Sarah's music can be found at sarahkroger.com or, of course, wesingourfaith.org. And now, The King of Love My Shepherd Is.
Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.